Hey, man, I need a fix. I need a fix bad. So you need a fix, huh? Oh, God, man, I need a bad. Hook me up. I got your fix. I got your fix right here. Jeep Junkies, we know you're jonesing for a midweek fix, so we're going to hook you up with a little midweek XJ Talk Show to tide you over. Hey, good evening, guys. We haven't had an interview in a while, and uh, we were very lucky to get uh, Brian Hutton. You know him as uh, the uh, the owner, the father, if you will, of uh, the <laughs> the little Jeep that could, uh, uh, the Wrangler uh, Stomper. Uh, and we're going to be joined tonight with uh, Richard, also known as Ricky, uh, Brian's two-year-old son. Brian, thanks for being on the show tonight. Oh, thanks for having us. Uh, uh, and I'll, I will say us, since uh, we probably won't keep him off mic. <laughs> well, I think everybody that's had a two-year-old knows the uh, knows the fun and, and the enjoyment of hearing that uh, that near constant chatter. Wow, wouldn't it be great to have that kind of energy at, at this age? Oh, uh, if you could bottle it and sell it, we'd, we'd sell it. We'd be millionaires. <laughs> Well, uh, let's uh, let's start off with uh, where you're located and a little bit about yourself. You're you're actually not in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, you're in Ohio, correct? That's that's right. Uh, we're currently stationed in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, my wife's in the Air Force. Um, Eighteen years, seven time combat veteran. Uh, I've followed the girl all over the country. Uh, and her current duty station, even though she's not here, she's deployed in Afghanistan. Is a uh, Right, Patterson Air Force Base out of Dayton, Ohio, um, and just by sheer luck, ended up to be in uh, in Oklahoma for the week prior to Mother's Day. That's great, and uh, please express, uh, and I'm sure the majority, uh, if not all, the members of XJ Talk, please express uh, how much we appreciate her service, especially such a long time service. Uh, no, they, not to mention uh, just just the duration of the time, but the years she put in, she. Uh, uh, the military members, all of them, not just my wife that, that do this is it's, it's an amazing sacrifice they make. And, uh, I didn't really fully understand until this particular deployment, thanks to my son, Ricky, that just what the deployed spouses, um, really have to deal with. Cause I drove truck. Um, I drove truck, um, up until about a year and a half ago. And so I was used to being separated from family and, uh, it's an entirely different game when there's a child. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I'd imagine it's especially so for a mom. I think that society, uh, you kind of learn, uh, if you're a part of the family or families, you know, the dad can kind of be gone because of, of work providing for the family and stuff. But for the mom to be gone, I think that that is a particularly, uh, would be a, a, a kind of a hard thing to, to wrap my, for me personally to wrap my head around. So, uh, that's going to be a, a, a very difficult thing for her, even more so than, uh, what uh, would just normally be. Uh, you know, this is my job, this is my career and, and, uh, I'll be back when I'm back. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if, uh, the bomber dad aspect of it weighs in, uh, as quite that heavy. Cause when either one's gone, I, I tell you what, Ed, we're at 12 and a half months since she actually left. She had to go do a one month training in uh, San Antonio, as a matter of fact, uh, before she went overseas and, uh, I would just kill for a shower uh, where yes. the curtain would stay closed for the duration of the shower. <laughs> I would be in the shower all the time in that heat. I've said it before. I'll say it again. 
irregardless of being shot at or an IED going off uh, next to the the vehicle, I don't think I could handle the heat. <laughs> just you know, no, you know, she's at uh, six thousand some odd feet. They get a lot of very intense sun because of the altitude, but uh, more Denver like uh, temperatures for the most part. Yep, I remember on a long cross country, uh, I actually uh, got it to around 10,000 feet, and I was amazed how nice and cool it was up there. And that was in the middle of the summer when I was doing that, that long cross country uh, flight, uh, and uh, that was uh, it was very pleasant up there. I didn't want to come down. <laughs> as long as you're not directly in the sun, because the sun does get intense when you lose that atmosphere as a filter. Oh, yeah, I guess it would. I, I, it wasn't, uh, well, I don't know. It was, uh, I, I was in a... Uh, uh, a low wing plane. I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, yeah, it was very pleasant. It was very smooth and, and very nice. But anyway, it's a that's okay. another that's another interview. So uh, <laughs> you um, so you bought uh, the uh, what year uh, uh, Wrangler is that? It's a JK. Yeah, it's a 2012 uh, Rubicon model. So it was the, it was just a little baby. It just it was basically born uh, just a year ago. Yeah, and we had just barely gotten started on the dream list of, of uh, we'll call them needs with air quotes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we had just gotten started. <laughs> yeah, because, well, at least you had a winch on there. That was uh, that was very good that you had uh, installed the winch. I, you know, you were thinking ahead because uh, it's tow points and recovery gear is the, the first things you want to start with. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, with. Toe points, recovery gear, and a little still on the front end since the uh, Wranglers come with plastic bumpers anymore um, because the, the steel on both ends is, is just invaluable when you're off-road. But the uh, winch and recovery gear, that that, abs- that doubles the capability of any off-road rig mm-hmm. uh, just all day long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you were you were just visiting in uh, Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, had you uh, – you have parents there, correct? Yeah, my childhood home. Um, my parents still lived there. They had uh, they paid their house off. They were true homeowners. Uh, and I had come in for a visit for Mother's Day. And um, we decided, ironically enough, and your listeners will love this, uh, to uh, me and my best friend decided we were going to go ahead while I was in Oklahoma and put a, a monster liner, do-it-yourself, roll-in bed liner in, in, my, little, uh, in my little Jeep. So that was the only reason I had had the extra time in Oklahoma is because we were waiting for that to cure before I hit the road to go back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I would hate to have to, you know, spend time on something and then have, have it trashed, basically. Oh, oh gee. I mean, I, I know remarkably. it's I know that's a minimal, the minimal thing on your mind at the time. But it, to me, I, you know, you put your time and effort into something, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to have it happen. Well, anyway, so... Um, Give us a rundown on that day, uh, what exactly happened. And uh, I have read some of the stuff uh, online. It was a very interesting story. And, uh, of course, that's uh, why we wanted to get you on here was to, to hear that story. So uh, I've been fascinated about uh, tornadoes from way back when, when I was a little kid and uh, probably his age. And uh, the Wizard of Oz would come on. I just used to love to see the tornado sequence. Right, right. Well, yeah, being a being an Oklahoma born and raised Oklahoman, uh, I can totally understand your fascination with it. Being a Texan, uh, 
you know, it, it's something we get and you always kind of wonder what it's like because it seems like it always affects communities near you, you know, around you, people you know, somebody new, a friend, and you always kind of have it in the back of your mind what it was like to go through it. And uh, uh, the back of your mind thoughts are probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, one would it, hope. It, it's, it's, a, it's amazingly different. Uh, so that day, uh, a storm you know, popped up. We actually watched it happening. We, uh, me and my, me and my best friend, Josh Anderson, um, pulled him and his family out shortly after the storm. They, uh, bravely, uh, rode the storm out in a, uh, stick frame home, which was amazing. And mm. they were fine. Um, what we, we, uh, we watched this little storm pop up to the Southwest, which in Oklahoma, that's where they come from. Um, as most do in Texas in the summer, and we watched this little storm pop up, and within a few minutes, say uh, the weather radio on my CB and my Jeep was going off. We were finishing putting the seats uh, back in to to stomp her, um, and the weather radio goes off and scares the daylights out of both of us. And it was the uh, National Weather Service's first warning that uh, we had been moved under a uh, tornado warning because of that storm. Um, and we both turned around and looked to the to the southwest because the location that was called out is 11, 12 miles. And for a, a large supercell tornadic storm, 11, 12 miles is easily easy distance to, to pick it out and see it. Sure. Because um, uh, I believe that storm swelled to 68,000 feet within minutes mm. of its birth. And we indeed could see it. Um, but we we decided that we'd get the roof back on and uh, get the jeep buttoned up in case uh, I needed to move since we didn't have shelter. Right. Um. And we got that all taken care of. We got got Ricky dressed up in a helmet. Got him in some pants, long pants, and shoes, and uh, and uh, got him ready for the ride. And then it began to hail, and it it wasn't little hail or sporadic. This was this was the the wildest, largest hail I've ever seen personally, which um, made it even worse because I have a soft top. Mm -hmm. And I was suddenly afraid to try to outrun the storm by heading south. Um, just just for the fact that there was no protection for uh, myself and Ricky. Sure. And a soft, and soft I, top wouldn't do much. Yeah, and I don't know if, if people, if everybody knows or not, whenever you see hail, it's basically a raindrop that's been suspended in uh, the uh, a cloud, uh, an air column inside the cloud, and and going up high, and freezing, and getting another layer on it, and coming down, dropping down, and then back up. So the winds have to be so aggressive inside that that uh, supercell as to keep the ice aloft until more and more water freezes on it. So the larger the the hailstone, uh, I mean, you're talking about some very massive winds to keep something the size of like a baseball or even bigger uh, aloft. So that's a huge warning that there are some very severe winds in a supercell. So I guess, uh, I don't know, have, uh, I, I'm not really, I guess I te technically I'm in the uh, the tornado belt, if you will, uh, being where I am here in Houston. But uh, in all my time here, I have never seen a tornado. And, and actually I used that for my daughters when they were younger and they would be concerned for a tornado watch or warning in the area, I said, look, I'm as old as I am, and I've actually never seen one. I've seen a, 
uh, a funnel cloud once, and that was in Galveston. So, and that kind of calmed them down. Now, you living, uh, whenever growing up in Oklahoma, had you seen a tornado prior to this? Uh, I have. Uh, I saw one as a child that uh, stands out in memory. Uh, uh, I, it would have been early 80s on the northeast side of town in a suburb uh, called Nidua City that's kind of been encompassed by Oklahoma City. Uh, we ran in the family car. Um, myself, uh, my sister, my parents, of course. Uh, and I remember seeing it out the windows and, uh, and thinking it was almost, I didn't know the word for it at the time, but sentient because it seemed, it seemed to have a movement and, and stuff that, that defied being just a phenomenon of the cloud, you know, just because it was, it was so animate and, uh, it was a thinner ropier, um, pretty probably F1, F2 mm-hmm. at the time, but, yeah, very impressive to see, especially as a child. Um, um, very frightening. <laughs> well, that's the thing I've always been impressed about with weather. It's so big. You know, nature is huge. It's uh, it's so big and we're so small. And to see such, like you say, an animated object that big, even in the rope stage, had to have been very memorable. Uh, and, and I envy you seeing that uh, personally, even though – uh, there's there's certainly horror that goes along with uh, seeing or potentially seeing a tornado. Uh, I still think that it would be uh, an amazing experience. No, no doubt. Uh, I saw that one, and then of course footage through my life. And then we uh, May 1999, May 3rd 1999, we saw that uh, the monster that tore through uh, more and parts of Oklahoma City, Midwest City, and continued on uh, towards nearly Tulsa um, before it dissipated. We got to see that one uh, up close to personal past, about a half mile to our north and uh, on a northeastern northeastern track. And uh, that monster really kind of opened my eyes to the kind of preparedness you need to, you know, the, the state of mind you needed to be in when they give these warnings for these storms. Because uh, that one was on the ground for uh, maybe 40 minutes before it got to the city. And yet nobody had heeded the warnings to get out of its way. We were all there watching, waiting, uh, cars <laughs> well, running, car seats loaded, valuables in the car, because like I said, no shelters in the neighborhood. So everyone's ready to jump in the automobiles and head south. <laughs> now, see, the, that, that's always been something that I thought would be cool to have here uh, in uh, in Houston. But we can't have underground shelters because of the ground table, the water that's in the uh, that's in the soil. It would just kind of push up and... You know, like it's floating in water, basically over over time. Of course, now just me being un uneducated about what's going on in Oklahoma, I would think that in a place where there's a lot of tornadoes, everybody has a shelter. Is there a reason other than expense uh, to not have a shelter? Uh, well, there there has been uh, manufacturing techniques have gotten a little better for one piece um, shelters that are kind of they dig a hole and drop them in. Uh, but building in the ground, um, you don't find a lot of homes in Oklahoma with shelters in the ground for similar reasons to the Houston area. Um, the water table is indeed very high, um, regardless of the fact that Oklahoma seems to be in drought year after year mm-hmm. and burn up. Uh, the water table does remain relatively high, and it's a uh, clay soil and sandstone um, surface. So homes pretty much have to be built on a concrete slab in order not to settle and break ah, okay. um, as the ground shifts under them. 
sounds like very much like here with the clay that we have. So, yeah, yeah this is making more sense. Yeah, that good old red clay. Uh, there's three states that have it, and we all seem to love it for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, it's a very predominant in East Texas now. Uh, so. This begs the question then, so uh, your neighbor uh, or your parents' neighbor actually had a shelter, uh, thankfully. Why did they have one uh, when when there's a, or how could they have one, I should say? Well, uh, it turns out uh, they had decided uh, to retrofit their property with one uh, eight, nine months prior. I'm not sure who they used. It's a fantastic uh, shelter they had put in, though. Uh, <laughs> after all, I tested it with our lives. Uh, but it's a five-inch thick unit that was dropped in. It still has the uh, the rebar eyes where they lifted it with the crane um, sticking out of the top and, and buried it three-quarters of the way in the ground. Um, but they had theirs retrofitted, and I actually was unaware of it uh, as the storm was approaching. And oh, my mother man. had told me she was on her way home. She was coming home early since I was in visiting. And I called her on the phone and said, you know, stay at work. She worked on the north side of town at a hospital. I said, stay at work, keep the car in the garage. You know, uh, my dad worked there also. I said, you know, go just find dad, you know, just hang out for a little bit because we've got a storm moving through that could be, could be bad. And, uh, and this was six, seven minutes prior to the storm hitting. And she actually, at that point had told me that our, their neighbors, Jim and Deborah, and I forgive me, I don't remember their last names. Um, she was like, they put a shelter in if it gets really bad you guys go there. And that was the first moment that I knew they even had one. Wow. Great call. <laughs> it was, <laughs> and that's great too, that you, that you kept your parents away from uh, going through that. And, uh, at the same time, she gave you a, a way out, uh, for you and your son. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, so give, let's, let's move, uh, let's move forward to, uh, now from what I read, you actually, because of knowing about what was, what was coming, you you stuck Stomper in a garage. Yeah, I, I, considering I I actually do wheel my rigs, um, I'm also very OCD and um, keep them waxed. I spray the underside with linseed oil to to aid and clean up and waterproofing, and um, so I'm very very OCD and very protective. And uh, I knew there was at the very minimal uh, the potential for decent sized hail. Right. And uh, moved the Jeep into the garage. Uh, like I said, we, we put the roof back up uh, prior to moving it in, got the seats all battened down. And uh, just before the storm, actually, uh, it, when it started to really look like it was going to be bad, uh, Stomper's a manual. It's a six-speed stick. And uh, I decided to put it in four-wheel drive low. Um, and for simply the idea that a Rubicon – and four-wheel low. I don't know. It may be all the manuals um, on the Wranglers, uh, on the JKs. But I do know that the manual, when in four-low on the Rubicon, will start without pressing the clutch. Oh, interesting. You can start it in gear, in four-wheel low, and it will actually just start itself and move. And I remember thinking that the soft top wouldn't keep the debris out, and I might, I may have to move this thing and not be able to get into it. Excellent thinking, as it uh, as it turned out. Now, now, would you say that uh, this mental activity that you went through and, and decisions that you made uh, to to lock the uh, the diffs and uh, to put it in four wheel drive low? Do you, 
is that something based on what you learned living there in Oklahoma? I mean, it almost sounds like a uh, woman's intuition that you would hear about uh, before before a bad I, I event. to take offense to that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, you know what? Well, uh, hell, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have that. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, the ability, like for children, to know to know when they need you. Uh, no, I, I actually, with the May 3rd tornado, um, ended up helping in, uh, relief efforts afterwards, uh, clean up and, um, search and rescue, but, uh, not as much as that as, uh, uh, as I ended up doing this time. Right. Uh, but a lot of trying to help people recover their valuables and, and seeing the condition of the cars and the homes and that sort of thing. I did realize that, um, more often than not, it seems that the automobiles get tossed into the houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you would find them. And so I just, it was just one of those things that I knew if it did hit, the rubble piles would be extraordinary. The, you know, the things that happen it, and almost always the ground turns into a sponge within minutes after the storm, uh, you get the rain with the storm. And then one of those things people don't think about is when you have homes that have been destroyed, um, the, every pipe, every piece of plumbing, um, that comes up from the pressure system uh, from the city has also probably been wrecked sure. and is pouring out into the ground. And four wheel drive becomes a necessity pretty quickly because um, everyone's lawns fill the streets and just turns into something that's very similar to sponge. Yeah, it's just amazing. So really, the the answer is it was uh, based on past experience that uh, that clued you that if it got really bad, this is what this is what you would need to do if you had any hopes of getting it out of the the debris. Yeah, I actually put the key in and turned it on too and left it um, thinking. And of course, uh, later thought about it and it's, it, I don't believe it would be true, but because of the sentry key that Jeep has now, I was hoping that since it, if I turned it on, that the sentry key, if it got broken off or the ignition got broken, that it already got that signal that it's okay to use me, you know, that oh, I've okay. already verified my. And in hindsight, with the key broken off, I don't think it would have mattered. Uh, if it had broken it, I don't I don't believe it would have ran. Well, as it turned out, uh, it, it did. So uh, how, how between the time that you decided to put it in the garage and get it in the garage and get it set up uh, and uh, heading to the shelter, how much time were we talking about? Uh, I mean, I, I'm thinking, you know, we're sitting here leisurely discussing it, but it was it was all happening pretty quick, wasn't it? Um, if, if you were to use our conversation, actually, as a reference, it was already over. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was about five minutes and 15 seconds from the time we decided that this was real and, uh, that we needed to do something and, and get ourselves ready. Um, till it had, it was about a block block away from us. And I was coming out of the shelter to go start hunting for longtime friends and neighbors. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't much time. Um, I, th- I believe the storm, the storm in its entirety from birth from a cloud was 16 minutes old uh, by the time uh, my parents' home was destroyed. Good um, Lord, that's just amazing. Yeah, as- astonishing. Um, the tornado had been on the ground for nine, ten minutes total. Um, yeah, we, we didn't get much warning. The sirens did go off. Um, they did sound. Um, they uh, Five minutes six seconds before um going back through video clips that i have um trying to document it as Mm -hmm. it was coming Mm -hmm. um the sirens were shut down um either by error or power or 
you know, some some other means. The the sirens were shut down, and we actually got to quietly listen to this come in, um, which to me was the most alarming thing about the storm because a uh, storm of this size, with the, the way the weathermen were worried about it, we knew you only had one option, which was below ground or out of the way. Um, it's what you're taught, uh, especially since we grew up in the world where Gary England was on the air. And uh, while he's a fantastic meteorologist, he's he's also uh, really, really good at scaring children about storms. <laughs> <laughs> really, really good at it. And, you know, so we actually, when the, when the sirens went down, a lot of people came out of their homes to, oh, wow. to see if, like, May 3rd, if it had cleared. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, and so everyone was thinking, okay, good, it's clear, we can come out, we can watch it. Um, and it wasn't wasn't the case at all uh, in our neighborhood because it was it was bearing down on us. And at that time, about three miles away uh, to our due west, and uh, and it does indeed, um, as you've probably heard, sound like a freight train. Um, not not the train going down the tracks more like a couple of good diesel electric engines um at full roar like they're trying to get one moving um more like that um Mm -hmm. but it's faint um it's like they're a few miles away and uh so there wasn't much warning for anybody that was watching tv or napping and so we actually spent the last few minutes I, i got my son in the neighbor's shelter and uh we spent the last few minutes going door to door, like back when you were children, when you would go door to door and ring bells and knock on doors to <laughs> try to get people's attention and uh, ring it and run. I would guess. Yeah, and what what we were doing was doing an entire segment and then standing in the street. And when the doors would open, you you would point and tell people what it was, and that you know that there was a shelter here to put children in, and that the rest of them needed to get under their stairs or into their safe place that they had already determined. And uh, it was amazing how many people looked at us and were like, no, the sirens aren't going off. That, uh, gosh, that sounds like a horrible situation. That is uh, just amazing because I can see this. I mean, it's like, okay, the sirens are off. Everything's okay. Uh, it's yeah, not and you've got us. a couple of lunatics running door to door. Yeah, it, it, was, it was frightening to me. But uh, there's a meteorologist uh, out of Oklahoma City, Mike Morgan. I can't speak for the others because this was the only one I was listening to. Uh, as a matter of fact, with my uh, cell phone at the time. Uh, he was he was saying no. He was like, I know the sirens are off. He was like, disregard this. There is still a large storm on the ground. You know, this is still a very real threat. And uh, I, you know, and I, I've watched him for years, even though we've been astray for quite a while from good old Oklahoma. Uh, I have watched him for years and years and developed the trust. So uh, we believed him, and uh, rightfully so. Turns out, um, no, but we we did try to warn. Uh, people uh, ahead of time and uh then again you know try to document it a little bit mm-hmm. um what you could safely right so uh let's uh, let's fast forward a bit where you get into the shelter and actually have to go through this uh you mentioned that it's it's not as what you would have expected it to be so give us a little idea of what you went through uh just you know i would assume that there was uh uh, a moment there where things got pretty calm as the the storm passed by, but uh, give us a give us your impressions of having gone through this. Well, and then I've learned a lot uh, thanks to going through it. Um, I the last film segment that I have, and it's the one that I've shared uh, through Facebook uh, 
of the storm actually coming. Um, if you watch the video, I'm panting when I'm when I'm trying to call out our address. I actually call out a street that's three streets to our south. Um, <laughs> Because, uh, you know, we're pretty charged up from running door to door and, and having this monster bearing down on you. Um, so when I finally, I end the film segment, there's a, my elementary school, Briarwood Elementary. Um, in the video segment, you can actually watch segments of the roof peeling off and flying to the north of the, the funnel. And we have since looked at aerial maps and determined that's about 350 yards from where I was standing. Wow. Um, I was under the assumption it was a half mile wide at that point, which it wasn't. It was about a quarter. So I was, in my mind, doubling uh, the, the time and distance. Mm -hmm. um, and I got it. So I, I finished the video clip and I say that, you know, we're going, see you later. And I, I shut it down and I actually sprint into the backyard to the shelter next door. And the, the homeowner's trying to get it open. There's a flip latch, you know, the regular turn handle you think of uh, with the storm sellers. And two uh, bolts, bolt pins that go into the uh, frame and, and uh, concrete around it. And um, she's trying to get those open as uh, the fencing and small debris and stuff starts to fly past. And it's a three-quarters buried shelter, and it had a dirt mound over it uh you know they had sodded it nice and everything and i'm actually crouched at the door on the east side of this as as the fencing is coming apart you know between my parents and their yard and um roofs were starting to go towards the storm though while everything else was blowing away from it and i remember as they got it open and i i turned around because it's a very steep staircase and i had to grab the door to close it and i watched their roof lift off of their house Jeez. And as I'm closing the door, and I'll never forget uh, Deborah um, hysterically asking me, "Is it going to miss this? Is it going to miss?" It? And I told her, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, it might. It sure, might miss this." And because she was hysterical, uh -huh. and I remember looking over her shoulder at her husband Jim and shaking my head no, <laughs> you know, to let him know that it was indeed real, but you know, panic wasn't going to help anybody. Um, mm. And of course, I was frightened, but putting on a good game face. Um, but we got the door shut and it became incredibly loud. Um, it's a five inch thick shelter, uh, concrete shelter. So the wind noise wasn't too severe because you have five inches of concrete to, you know, and mass is how you, uh, mute sound. Um, but what we could hear because of that over the wind was everything breaking. And it's there's something you don't easily forget. Um, the sounds of, you know, Two by fours, trusses, uh, cars being wadded up like foil balls. Um, it's it's a very it's a very strange sound. It was incredibly loud. It's the loudest thing I've ever I've ever heard. And then it suddenly just went silent. Um, it went silent. It was very calm. It was brighter, um, almost as if there was daylight. Because um, we had two, there were two vents, one in, one out, um, on the top of the. Uh, shelter which were of course ripped off when the first wave came by the first wall um and it, it got much brighter light shooting in and it was calm and and uh we all kind of wondered if it was over and uh it started to grow dark again which most tornadic storms through oklahoma texas arkansas the tornadoes at the tail end of the storm most of the time um so i know that the sun's out behind them usually 
and uh, it started to go dark again. And I realized that, wow, that we were in for round two, you know. Um, and indeed, we, we got round two and round two was as the storm was starting to slow to a stop and uh, grow because um, it, it widened suddenly to just a smidge over a mile wide as it moved through more. And it was about a quarter mile wide, uh, the destruction path through my parents' neighborhood. Um, and it got incredibly loud. And for a very, very long time, um, the shelter we were in started to fill with natural gas, um, which was surprising. Natural gas is lighter than air. We're mm -hmm. below ground. Right. Uh, that really kind of worried me that maybe a line was broken somehow in the ground beneath us and right. was seeping up through. And the homeowner, Jim, was on oxygen. So we've got an oxygen tank and natural gas in there. So, you know, we put out the call to shut off cell phones, radios, um, et cetera. Um, you know, and then it was quiet, um, at least quiet to our ears. It, it wasn't quite by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it was calm. Um, and I opened the door because the, the entire time, all I could think of was the people that weren't in the shelters. Um, the people I had just seen and we had told to get to their safe areas. And that's all we could think about. Well, I could think about while I was down there was those people because it was horrendous and a below ground shelter. And I couldn't imagine what, what we were going to find above ground. Um, because growing up around tornadoes, you, you have this certain idea, you've seen pictures, you've seen videotape from the, the media, um, but when it's your home, it's your community, it's where you grew up, it's where you went to school, it's where your best friend lives, it's where your, you know, your second and third moms live, you know, uh, you know, your friend's moms that, that you take as your own. Uh, that moment before you open the door, is a, it's a tense one. It's tough. Um, and we threw the door open and the storm was actually parked right there, uh, <laughs> just just to our east and spitting debris. And they all told me I was crazy not to go. Uh, and I was uh, more worried about the people that had just ridden through that yeah. than I was about us and me. I knew my son was below ground still. They could close the door when I left, and I've never heard of a tornado going back to the west, so I wasn't worried about that. Uh, and then so off we went, and that's where the uh, uh, the search and rescue stuff began. Well, Brian, whenever I called you uh, for this interview, uh, you started pretty much at the beginning with, uh, I just did what everybody else would do. I'm, I'm no, you didn't say these words, but basically you were saying, I'm no hero. I really think that after what you had just gone through, uh, hearing what you heard and also to having a, a young son, um, I think the majority of the people would have stayed in that shelter. And, and I think that's what separates you from well, doing what everybody else would have done and what you did. No, I, I, I could see how you would think that, but here's what I found. Uh, when I did come out, I scrambled over what I later realized was my bedroom and my parents' house, my childhood bedroom and my parents' house, um, headed directly for the last person I saw, which was my friend Josh Anderson. Um, I headed for where I knew he was, um, and I got them out. And as you got people out from under the rubble, they did the same thing you were doing. There was no questions. There were no, um, nobody was concerned about anything else except the next neighbor. Sure. And that's, and that's why I'm still to this day convinced that I didn't do anything extraordinary. I just was first because I wasn't pinned. Um, 
and that that was that's the only reason that I was out first um, because we were fortunate enough where the shelter was um, that it left the ground clean, completely clean, devoid of grass, the whole nine yards. I mean, clean. And so getting out of the shelter was, was no problem. And as you found people, and I mean, there was debris raining from the sky. There were chunks of metal. There were automobiles at times, um, which by the way, if if you've ever watched these movies, Armageddon, Transformers, that sort of thing, when there's large cars flying through the air and seen and seen how kind of people freak out because they see it coming and it's this long, drawn-out process, there's no truth in that at all. Um, because you're actually unaware of the car's coming until it hits the ground. <laughs> right. Um, so, and you kind of react momentarily and you go, well, it didn't hit us. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because you it's, know, it's, a, it's it, a, it's a large piece of metal flying through the air and terminal velocity is going to make it be moving very fast. So, oh, not to mention it was probably tossed at a couple hundred miles an hour to begin with. And, exactly. And, you know, oh, so you didn't even, you, you would keep an eye up, but you know, your, your it's, head was it's, down. It sounds like it's, get, yeah, it sounds like it's almost like being hit by a meteorite. It's not anything that you can really follow. It's just, you hope for the best and, uh, and get through it. Yeah. So, and of course that, that weeded off when the first few minutes as it started to move its way east through more, I mean, after that, it was just smaller things, small pieces of shingle, you know, and the, and the requisite photographs, paper insulation reading from the sky. Mm hmm. So uh, you were uh, able to get out of the shelter. You were. Uh, did you go first to Stomper to to get it out, or did you uh, just run down to somebody's house uh, or the houses and start checking with people? How did how did now, that in, work? In all honesty, uh, my parents' home, um, their poor dog Chewbacca um, and Stomper. Um, I didn't think about actually until we had completely worked the entire block um, around uh, the. the the entire cul-de-sac my parents lived on. Um, once I had gotten through there and everyone was accounted for, um, I turned around because there was a group and they were, there were several, several guys trying to move a car off an in-garage shelter. And they do tell you with the in-garage, the, the in-floor shelters that go that are in a garage to leave the car parked there because it will protect the door from debris, mm-hmm. um, which is brilliant. It makes sense. Um, but this particular one had been shoved just enough. The tire was sitting on the door. Um, and I remember I'm looking at them and I was like, wow, they've only got eight, nine guys. They can't move that car. And as I was looking at them, my eyes kind of fell to stomper and I went, I've got a winch. I've got a winch. If that thing will start, I, I've got a winch. I can move it. And that's kind of where uh, Stomper comes into the story. Um, so it was actually visible. There wasn't there wasn't really much around it. It was uh, uh, full of debris, but you could see, physically see it. Uh, no, it was it was completely buried with the tailgate and uh, spare tire sticking out of the out of the location where my parents' house used to be. Um, and that's pretty much all that was visible. Um, I had to move a couple of boards to get my arm in far enough to turn the key and start it. Um, but yeah, I had to it just tailgate spare tire hang out of the back, and uh, I got the thing started, and uh, uh, which was almost a bad thing because I was laying in the debris to reach in there um, because it uh, being a Rubicon with the uh, four ten gears and the four to one transfer case, uh, the moment the the motor came to life, it was just churning and pulling at that whole pile, um, and you know humans are soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not very fast at times 
<laughs> no, especially not laid across on your stomach trying to reach down through some boards to find a key. Um, <laughs> Congratulations, you found the key and started the vehicle. Now get out, get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, it was a scramble for my life. And oddly enough, it uh, it backed itself out into the drive and stalled, um, which, uh, you know, a Rubicon with a stick will drive itself up mountains. So I was really surprised it stalled. And uh, But it, it pretty much almost cartoonishly backed itself out of this pile dragging immense pieces of rubble with it and stalled in the driveway as if to say, okay, I'm ready. Clean me out so we can go. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, uh, you got it, uh, you got it out. I guess you got some of the debris enough out of there so that you could actually uh, use it. Uh, uh, how was your emotion going, uh, looking at your vehicle? Was it just uh, kind of like, oh, well, or were you looking at your, your beloved Jeep and thinking, oh my God, this thing is just completely trashed. No, you know, I didn't even for for quite a while didn't even uh, think about um, the Jeep itself. It started; it backed itself out uh, when it stalled. I was actually kind of worried um, that maybe there was a severed gas line. I, I right. do remember peeking under the back um, just to make sure that we weren't um, hemorrhaging gas all over the place because I know the tanks are plastic with a skid plate, mm-hmm. and uh, and it had just come over a, an incredible pile of boards and steel and uh no i didn't i had no emotion for the jeep whatsoever i i cleared out a couple of the boards out of the the front so that i could get the door open and get in and then i focused on really clearing up the uh, car seat um that was in the back um because the roof was completely gone at this point of Mm. course with the soft top and uh i worked on clearing the glass and debris out of the car seat because i knew that uh, with the gas leaks, that that was another thing. When I climbed out, there was a wall of gas firing up out of the ground. Uh, would have been to my left as I came out. That it was actually distorting my view of the world. There was wow. so much gas spewing out of the ground. And and one of the things I, I I thought of at that moment was put Ricky in the car seat because if a fire starts moving along these gas lines that are spewing, you could get him out of the way. Um, that it was something that would move, something that could move faster through this than you could. And uh, so I got his car seat cleared out and got him in it. And we started it back up and I drove it around um, the block, which was interesting because, you know, the streets, the east, west streets were clear. The north, south streets were completely littered with debris and blocked. And uh, then we started working and, uh, I didn't think about the Jeep's condition until uh, my parents had finally showed up. Um, and my mom looked at the Jeep. She had seen the Jeep prior to seeing her home. And she got emotional when she saw Stomper. And I turned around and looked at it for the first time, you know, with, you know, I mean, that's my Jeep. And I finally looked at it as my Jeep and was like, yeah, but I got insurance. It'll be her height. <laughs> well, at know, least, at least get another one. Yeah, at least it was fairly new. I would have a... I would think I would have a hard time if I saw my 13-year-old Jeep uh, that I'd been through so much uh, with. Uh, I might look at it a bit differently. So uh, were you able to get that uh, that car off the shelter door? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, as a matter of fact, the uh, uh, we had a worn, you know, I hate to throw. Um, no, drop hate, those names. It's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, I hate to, I hate to name drop, um, but there were some products on the Jeep that did extraordinarily well. Uh, we actually had a Warren VR 8000 S. Um, it was a hybrid. It wasn't an S model, which is the synthetic, mm-hmm. the, the Spidera line from Warren. Um, 
I had retrofitted that to it and also added the uh, solid state contactor unit in place of the uh, uh, solenoids that they, they come with at that model line. Right. Um, and the thing fired right up and we were able to uh, pull the car out of the way, no trouble. Uh, we ended up using it quite a bit. We pulled walls off, uh, pulled them back. People weren't necessarily penned as much as they were just encapsulated, if you will. Um, and we were able to open up ways for people to get out using the winch. But I, I actually added, when I built this, it was an off-the-shelf model I bought through a four-wheel parts store. And I got it cheap since they didn't have the controller. They didn't, you know, um, they didn't have at the time a fair lead for it. And so I bought it off the shelf as it was and kind of built it into something I could use. Mm -hmm. As a lot of four-wheelers I see, they, they work within real limited and could, you know, we're all working people with real lives and, yeah. and children. You have these yeah. dreams of what you want for your trail rig. And I could tell you that the VR series held up, um, on the fourth day, it got tired. Um, it's the line speed finally started to slow. Um, of course we were doing pools on walls at this point, trying to get people safes out of their homes, like their gun safes and their um, paperwork <laughs> safes. Yeah. And we were pulling these that were lagged down to concrete foundations. And I was yanking the lags out of the, out of the foundations. Well, you have um, a, you have a potential second career then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. That, that, it was the hardest I've worked in my life. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> now but I would think it, it held up it, surprisingly. Well, um, I mean, as it, far as, as far as, job. yeah, as far as name dropping goes, let's talk about Jeep, uh, still building something that is, that is capable after going through such a horrific experience, uh, certainly not for the Jeep. I mean, the, the Jeep didn't experience anything, but, uh, I mean, to be able to reach in and uh, the engineers having the forethought to, to design something that you can start the key and it will crawl out of a, a pile of rubble and start, uh, uh, if not saving people, at least uh, giving them their freedom. Uh, you know, let's, let's take the hats off to the reason why we're here or, uh, the Jeep. It, it worked well. Well, you know, and it's, it's one of those newfangled JK Jeeps. I know. That's what I was thinking <laughs> as a TJ owner and an XJ owner is like, what the hell is this thing? Yeah. My last one was an 06. Uh, and I was, I was, I was hard set against ever buying one of those newfangled JKs. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you what, some of the things they've done, um, the running gear, um, it did it did get shoved. It had two brick walls dropped on it, gables from a two-story house along with the boxed beam, the main roofline structure uh, run through it. Um, everything electrical worked except the one KC light and one tail light that were missing. <laughs> well, the air conditioner still worked. <laughs> That's which great. was a blessing in oh, the I days bet. following when you'd sit down to move it and that cold air was blowing and because it was so hot it was humid because of all the water pouring out of the out of the all the broken water lines and stuff uh you know the ac still worked the 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 horn um you know everything still worked my clock spring didn't you know completely commit suicide like they tell you will happen if your clock spring gets rained on uh <laughs> And it rained 10 inches the following night with it sitting out there without a That's top. That's right. I remember hearing about that where uh, it, uh, the rains actually came in uh, while the r relief efforts were, were happening. Yeah. Insult I, to injury. Yeah. I, I actually opened the door and had the cliche water pour out um, and was like, well, we'll see if it starts. And, of course, it, it fired right up. And, and uh, we 
we just kept on. And the only thing that finally stopped uh, that little JK was uh, I was I had gone completely through all the tires I had. <laughs> right. I can imagine. Just from, we were running over nails that were three inches tall all day long. I, I, I don't see how we made it to the fourth day. <laughs> now, did you step on anything yourself? <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. Um, and uh, my last tetanus shot date was questionable. So um, a crew on one of the days had come through. And, you know, the days all run together. But there was a crew from the... Um, Department of Health Services out of Oklahoma that came through giving out uh, tetanus shots. So we, of course, all lined up. Now, with uh, Ricky being involved in all this stuff, have you seen anything from him that uh, relates that you can relate back to either the tornado experience or the experience after I, the tornado went I through? I have. And actually, in the last few days, now that we've been back home, um, when we're outside, I've been working on uh, cleaning up the garage, getting my tools organized. Uh, as a fellow off-roader, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had been in the middle of a project when we left for Oklahoma. Um, I've uh, been cleaning up the garage, and he's been playing with his little uh, matchbox cars. And Stomper and Dada um, affect rescues on buried cars in the flower bed uh, pretty much all day long now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which is cute, but uh, he's actually... He's got an FJ that he thinks is a Jeep, but I'm not going to tell him otherwise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Jeep. That's right. That's okay. Uh, Josh Gates from uh, Destination Truth shares the same uh, delusion that anything he's in is a Jeep. Anytime they go anywhere in the world, they're in a Jeep. And uh, I've, <laughs> I've sent him numerous tweets. It's not a Jeep, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, well, that's great. I mean, I'm, uh, obviously, it's better to, uh, to have... Uh, it had survived the experience and then having to deal with the emotion afterwards than than the the worst case scenario that it could have happened certainly wonderful that there was a shelter uh, available to uh, to you oh, and yeah. so um now let's get into the the thing uh, about uh the the re- the rebirth of stomper how did that come about and uh how really how did you learn about it <laughs> well i spent so oh, 16 plus hours a day, um, out there and more, uh, getting there, you know, as soon as we could in the mornings and then staying till they would run us out at night. Um, and on the third or fourth, it might've been the fifth. Like I said, I, it's hard to keep track of the days. Um, my phone rings, which down there, you know, phone service had been, uh, non-existent. Sure. Uh, from the moment of the storm, uh, Facebook oddly enough worked, and that's actually how we we were trying to find people through Facebook in the first few hours, which was amazing. I was about to give up on Facebook, and Facebook came through for me in a way that's much bigger than this, because uh, we were able to send phone numbers out through Facebook to get people on landlines to start dialing the phones, and uh, to try to find people that were in route or could have just gotten home from work, school. Um, that sort of thing, which would be, and it turned out to be incredibly useful. Um, and Facebook has come to find out um, several days later was how the whole rebuilding of Stomper came about. I had made, I took a picture. Uh, we went to my aunt's house in Norman. Um, she lives right by, uh, right by uh, the University of Oklahoma, you know, uh, go Sooners. Uh <laughs> And I had internet access there with my phone, and uh, I posted a picture I'd taken of Stomper. 
And I said, after everything this Jeep has been through and done for my family, my friends, and my parents' neighbors, I'll buy another Jeep with the insurance money. And somebody saw that, a local, a local wheeler, local member of the uh, Red Dirt Jeepers, uh, Lance Kenyon. And he saw that, and plus, I guess he had seen a segment on the news. Um, I got caught wheeling over a fallen house trying to drag a safe out. Uh, by one of the local news channels. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's the strangest wheeling I've ever done. I, I never hope to have to do it again, but you know, that is that is one to put under you know a notch on the headboard. Um, uh, crashing through a brick wall is something that you'll you'll never <laughs> you never forget that. Sure. Uh, but I guess he had seen something, and then you know uh, he had also had gone and volunteered when he wasn't at work and was going out there and working and had heard other stories, uh, I guess, of the Jeep. And, and he had started to spread the word and contact people he knew um, through Jeeping with the clubs. And it had kind of spread like wildfire, I guess, because by the time I found out, the way I found out was Camp Crocker and anybody that's around wheeling that's around the internet knows of Camp Crocker. And if you don't, Look up Caught 4x4 because the Kraken is something everyone needs to see. Um, <laughs> it's one of his builds. It's just it's monstrous. And I knew of him because of the, the fact that he builds a lot of JKs, uh, does Hemi mods, that sort of thing. But he calls me up, and he's got this very distinctive voice. And he tells me he's coming for my Jeep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just a baby. Don't hurt it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like... I'm like, what do you mean you're coming from my Jeep? And I'm not clear, you know, everything's just so, um, it's an emotional blur out there. And sure. I'm like, wait, what do you, who are you? You're coming from, I'm Camp Crocker, baby, is what he says. And I'm like, <laughs> that's great. And I'm like, wait a minute, is it the builder of Kraken? And he's like, yeah, I was like, no, find someone else. Um, <laughs> I actually, I was like, I have insurance camp. I was like, you know, um, I heard of another Jeep, believe it or not, another another i believe it's a tj uh white wrangler that was helping over at the plaza towers elementary prior to the fire department rescue teams getting there um and i was like i heard of this guy go find that guy you know if you're if you're wanting to go help somebody go find him it's an older jeep probably doesn't have full coverage on it and uh he actually on the phone says do you know who i am <laughs> nobody tells me no <laughs> and our conversation ended there and um so that night I got online finally and uh, took a look at Facebook and the little orange Jeep that could had become rather internet famous. And uh, a lot of people were rallying up Jeeps and bringing donations, supplies, fresh backs, you know, and hands to come out and just work um, all in the name kind of, if you will, of, of Stomper because, you know, they were inspired by this little Jeep that was helping afterwards. And I was looking at all this. I was touched. And uh, the aunt I was staying with, um, uh, her condo, uh, she actually works at Rest Haven Funeral Home out of Norman. Um, and they were hosting, unfortunately, some of the funerals. Um, you know, they, they came of, of the storm. And um, the Westboro Baptist Church, I won't get into the politics there, but the Westboro Baptist Church was planning to protest um, the children's funerals. And the Patriot Group and Red Dirt Jeeps all rallied together, kind of, again, in the name of Stomper. And they blockaded the funeral home and the route 
to the uh, burial grounds. That's great. And so I was starting to see these stories and it was because, you know, everyone's saying because of Stomper, we're doing this and we're doing this. And, and I saw just how the off-road community suddenly had just became not a bunch of individuals anymore. It was this one living, breathing, caring entity that was trying to take care of the community in Moore, Oklahoma. Um, and I saw how much support there was for Stomper itself. Like and Stomper had finally taken a full personality of his own um, online while I wasn't looking. And, <laughs> and I went, you know, and it took me two days of thinking about it after that. I actually waited 48 hours and I finally got online and I posted, all right, Camp Crocker, let's build a Jeep. And, and it went from there. And it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind, whirlwind of stuff that, that you know, um, it's 20 years of build sheet um, happening before SEMA, if, if the gods above allow. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, I was uh, I was online prior to our, our interview, and uh, I've I've seen a few things online that was uh, some drawings. Is the is the design going to be radically radically different than uh, the original JK design? Well, uh, yeah, yes and no. Uh, there are there are some things that are changing. Um, Eric, um, I've heard him say it's Mullenberg, so I'm going with that. That's not how it's spelled. Uh, <laughs> Uh, owns custom coachworks um, out of uh, we're going to say Phoenix area because he's got three shops so we won't name because he had Mason and I think Tempe and I don't remember what the other one is uh, but he's actually responsible for the JKL uh, Wrangler which is kind of a throwback on the ideal of the uh, um, the un- the original Unlimited um, mm-hmm. the LJ which right. they built for I think three years the longer wheelbase two door uh, Wrangler, um, which is another amazing example of Detroit's ability to shoot itself in the foot because sure. they had something beautiful there and they discontinued it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, come on, they could put a cooler in it. My, my fancy smancy TJ or JK, you could put, uh, about four bags of groceries in the back. Um, right. Our TJ is the same way. Oh, I keep God. wanting to take the, uh, the subwoofer that's, that came in our, our used TJ out and, uh, just for some more storage room and my wife won't like it. I mean, won't let me because she likes hearing the, the, the bass. Yeah. I always call it bass. (laughs) They get you one whole extra bag of groceries. Oh, Um, sure. But they, they have gone back to that ideal and they're, they, as a business, it's kind of, it's an ideal at this point. I believe there's only three that have been done. Um, but he is taking and stretching them, um, an additional 10 inches to put them back at the wheelbase that the LJ, the, was it? four, five, and six that they offered the un, the original Unlimited before it was a four-door. Um, and they're stretching it to that length between the 10-inch frame and body stretch and then the three-inch uh, suspension stretch that they designed with Rockcrawler, um, which gives them 108 inches, which, you know, it's one of those magic numbers they toss, they toss around that, you know, a lot of guys do believe it's the magic number for balancing tight turns on trails to climbing ability. Um, so it does appear to uh, work rather well. And I do know that the LJs that Chrysler built under the cheap name, uh, they will outclimb a TJ all day long. Uh, they won't outmaneuver them, but they will outclimb them. Um, so there's got to be at least a little something to it. Um, 
but no, they are they are indeed stretching it and lifting it, and they've because Camp Crocker's on board. Um, they have kind of gone beyond that. They're doing an SRT8 uh, Hemi out of the Challenger, so I believe it's the six one six point one liter. Uh, just just a slew of aftermarket companies that have all come together, just like the Jeepers did um, initially uh, for the community. The all these aftermarket companies and uh, online vendors and manufacturers of parts have kind of all come together and decided they're they're going to save this Jeep now. And uh, it's as as amazing as what I watched happening and happening more. Uh, with the communities, and I saw a lot of Texas plates. Throw a little love down south to Texas. A lot of Texas plates uh, out there working. They they put on leather gloves and boots and uh, and uh, got out there in the sun with us digging. It it was it was pretty awesome. That's great. That's wonderful hearing everybody pitching in. It's great hearing everybody's pitching in on the Jeep. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from. I'm sure there's a certain amount of uh, how can I get my company involved with this uh, icon uh, of what happened with uh, you know the, oh, no the the Jeep Stomper, but I, but also too uh, it would be real easy just to say you know I don't have time or uh, I don't want to go through that expense uh, or the etc. But they're still doing it, so that's a big deal. Uh, but uh, you mentioned uh, SEMA earlier. Is the plan to get Stomper together and then actually be displayed at uh, SEMA? Yeah, SEMA has actually um, the. I've never been to a SEMA convention, being I'm not in the uh, off-road uh, or automobile industry, mm-hmm. um, since it is an industry, you know, convention. Uh, but I've always been fascinated by it, being that I am a, a gearhead. Um, I, I was hot rods, old iron, and then the four by four thing came about in the last probably twelve years with me. Um, they have decided that the the floor that they use for the four by four and off road segment, that Stomper is getting the lobby, the entryway lobby. Um, so everyone's going to have to see this store to to get in and see the rest of the off road stuff. So it's going to be pretty neat. And I do agree uh, with the point you made about people wanting to get in on the, uh, of course, the free advertisement. But I found something that's been very very interesting and something you might find interesting. Um, as of this point being that I am the sole owner and the title's clear. Not one manufacturer has even asked me to put their name on it. Oh, that's great. And that was one of the things that I really, really felt like kind of told the story. Um, I, I am offering it up to a couple um, just, just because of the, the incredible um, donations they're giving. Um, but nobody's actually asked or required it um, for sponsorship, which um I mean, I always grew up thinking that, you know, it's a windshield banner or stickers on each side was how you got parts. Um, so I was expecting it. I went into this totally expecting to uh, have something that looked like a NASCAR on, on uh, my <laughs> yes. trains, you know. Yes. And uh, it, it has not turned out to be the case. Um, well, that's wonderful. Is, I think that's a great point. I like that. Yeah. And it's something that it, it did. It, it get, the, the off-road community uh, – you know, I've always known they were great folks. They all like the same things. We're all firm believers in the and the Bill of Rights. We're all fishers, hunters, pet lovers. With you know, you see a lot of animal outreach stuff with the shelters. You know, you've got the campers. You know, basically, we're all just big grown-up Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. Not to be offensive, right? Um, and it's it's really cool to get to see that 
extends out to some of the companies that also supply parts in the aftermarket industry that that they're really they're more about doing it than being recognized for doing it which is that's cool although i'm i'm hoping and i hope everyone that listens is is paying attention sorry here's another plug you know i'm hoping all you guys ears perk up when you do see who's involved at the sema show you know with this because these guys have proven themselves to be upstanding so let me ask you um i don't know if if they've, if they've gotten this far yet or not or if you know what winch are you going to have on there and will there only be one uh there there will only be one although i do see that the 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 practicality of a rear facing winch is i have gotten myself stuck twice um nose down in in a uh, ravine yes <laughs> hey i got a winch and oh too bad the last, time, the last time i had a 94 i believe uh cherokee on 35s pull me out and uh, it was a beautiful truck i wish i'd have gotten the guy's name um but and i was all embarrassed because you know here i had this fancy rubicon stuck in the stuck in a ravine face down um <laughs> i think if everybody doesn't already know i'll say it you can get anything stuck including a tank so yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and if you don't, you're not trying. That's uh, right. <laughs> but uh, oh, you know, I've totally, I've totally lost my train of thought. So yeah, I, I saw my son was sleeping. I was like, oh, that's nice. Oh wow, good. <laughs> uh, no, I had asked about the winches. If what winch yeah. was going back on it? Yeah, um, we're only doing a single, um, as far as I know. <laughs> um, the the owner of the, the owner of the jeep says yeah <laughs> yeah as far as i know uh i find out just about the same speed i think everyone else does uh uh right now with the rebuilding a stomper page on facebook um but it is going to be i do know it's a worn uh the xeon series 8s so the 8,000 pound synthetic line um which is their redesigned latest greatest um and I'm not sure how necessary that is for the average guy's rigs. I know a lot of guys question that. I did. I, I actually weighed that long and hard before I finally bought a winch. Um, let me just tell everyone that a, a Jeep JK Rubicon is a 4,000-pound truck. It's not exactly – it's not as light as its wheelbase would suggest. Right. Um, and pulling walls, trying to get to people's – pictures and things like that brick walls with fireplaces you know large you know they've got structural steel on them then the brick around them um there were numerous times that that, that stomper was actually drug into houses by the winch mm-hmm. um, up over piles of rubble you know pushing thousands of pounds of bricks in front of it and that's an eight thousand pound uh, winch and it was from the budget series um i do believe you should have a larger winch than than your vehicle's weight but I also think that at least with Warren, especially given the budget series, that they they may overrate their winches capability or underrate right. their winches capabilities um, a little bit because it took three complete full days of doing things that you would never consider uh, doing with a winch and synthetic line because we weren't using pads between the line and the bricks, the line and the steel that we were pulling. We were just throwing it over it and letting it drag and. Uh, it all held up for three continuous days and the average wheeler might use their winch twice a month. Yeah. And, and that's, that's if they had a great month and got to go wheeling a couple of times. Um, so these, these products are, they're built pretty sturdy. Um, and I do believe they, they 
rate them under, you know, just to stay on the safe side. Yeah, uh, that that would be a reasonable thing to do because you don't want to go the other direction. It really hurts you in sales. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm an audiophile also, and there's guys with the amplifiers that if your amplifier is two watts short of what it's rated to do, you're you know a terrible company. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you'd, you'd never be able to hear it. But yeah, it was measured, and uh, it right. wasn't the right weightage, sir. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So, um, do do you have any kind of time frame? Uh, you said before SEMA. SEMA's in uh, November, I believe. So, yeah. So you're not. Uh, are you actually looking at a build that will take that long? I have no idea. Um, to do what they're going to do, it would have taken me twenty years. Um, sure. So I, I absolutely have no idea what. <laughs> So you don't. So you haven't heard that. That's the goal they're shooting for is to have it all uh, put together by then. That's the only. That's the only clear date that I know uh, looms on the horizon. And uh, you know, I actually, uh, um, as much as I'm going to miss Stomper on those nice sunny days, uh, the uh, I believe will be. You know, I'll be okay with it. But yeah, I believe November is about the soonest they could do it. Uh, it is a pretty massive project with the motor swap, um, the stretch, uh, the amount of body work required. Um, they've done the frame stretch already, um, amazingly. Um, they've already separated the, the body off and, and stretched the frame. I don't believe they may have done the welding today. I don't know. I haven't been on to see. Um, but I do know that the body work has to be straightened out before they can cut and stretch it. So they've got some work ahead of them. Uh, it's an amazing uh, undertaking those guys are, have challenged themselves with. Well, I'm sure it'll be a fun, uh, a fun build for them, especially having the wonderful uh, before shots to compare it with. Um, I mean, that, that's going to be really showcase their talents that they were uh-huh. able to, you know, bring it from this to this. Now, uh, there some beauties too on the before shots. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no. Before shots is something that I, I, I actually, when I first got on looking, I had seen somebody else had taken a picture of it with the flags flying um, early one morning, and it was beautiful with the blue sky and the flags flying. And and I had no idea who had taken those, and it took me five, six days to finally find this person. Um, but there was a picture taken with my father's harley he had a uh, dana lowrider that was in the garage in front of the jeep and was totaled by the storm but it was sitting in the driveway with the jeep next to it and the flags flying and i remember seeing a comment online somewhere with one of the articles um, that was published and somebody had commented that they had it was the most patriotic thing they'd ever seen um and it an eagle a bald eagle carrying a shotgun walking into a McDonald's would be the only thing that could approach how patriotic that picture was. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, how things just come together? And also, too, because of the social media uh, that was involved uh, made this, I mean, certainly the news and the event, that the, the news media and the certainly the event and loss of life, the tragic loss of life of so many people, uh, in Moore, Oklahoma, uh, honed this and brought the attention of a lot of people uh, at this. But but without the social media and without people taking pictures and sharing that information, um, you're you may have just had a, a lifelong interesting story, and uh, your now two year old son 
would uh, be thinking when he was older, why the hell wasn't I older? <laughs> I would have liked to have been able to remember this. <laughs> oh, no, he would have He would have been like, Dad, but my first Jeep, it's just this plain little orange Jeep. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really, he's going to, of course, that's going to be a big memory, too. Is is yeah. getting is uh, now is it still going to be Stomper? Or are you going to call it Stomper Two or Stomper Reborn? Well, you or? know, being that they're saving the, the the title, staying clear, um, they are stretching it, but they are they are trying to save as much of the uh, body work and framing and everything. Uh, like they only cut a ten inch segment out, I guess ten or so inch mm-hmm. segment out of the frame, um, and they kind of end. In fact, there's a serial number. One of the VINs is stamped on it, and I, I asked them that if they wouldn't ship me that piece um, just as a keepsake. Uh, paperweight for the garage so that your instructions for whatever lift you're working on don't blow away. Right. Uh, no, so I, as far as I'm concerned, it, it stays Stomper because that was kind of their whole point was to give some love back to this little Jeep that, that, that gave its little heart, you know. And so I, it's we still look at it as Stomper, and I think it's going to stay that way. and. That I, I've never named a vehicle before. <laughs> That's interesting. And this one, this one definitely earned its name because I did name it after the the little toys from the eighties, and um, they used to be marketed as Fun by Fours or Unstoppable <laughs> Four by Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it was definitely unstoppable. Uh, yeah, it, it took it took four flats, but even the little stompers, the little foam tires, would pop off occasionally. So. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I don't guess, uh, um, I don't guess I asked this prior, but uh, have you been involved in any kind of emergency, uh, volunteer or professional activities prior to this? No, not really. Um, I mean, I did, I did on a, um, very non-professional level, uh, in May 3rd of 99, um, right. uh, go into some affected neighborhoods and, and start trying to help people, which, um, I do have a piece of advice for anyone that's willing to do it. Um, the minute professionals are there, offer your services and sit back and wait for them to call on you. That's the best way you can help. Um, because once the professionals are there, they do try to get a grasp on where people have checked, where people have been, you know. Um, and it's really difficult when you have a lot of random teams that aren't communicating from a central point. Um so that was one of the things that once once the professionals are there, try to let someone know what's been done, what's clear, and then try to stay out of the way, but offer your services. Um, I mean, I'm not saying let them do it or have faith in them. I'm just they they do have plans in place and they will need your hands. Um, but uh, no, I, I have done it on an amateur, um, just neighbor type level uh, in the past and. Um, there was nothing different this time. Uh, I, like I said, as we pulled people out, they just joined in. And um, it it was amazing how organized people are and how there were no arguments about who's in control and who says to do what. Um, it just kind of naturally happens. Um, pretty pretty amazing rejuvenation of my belief in, in humanity, especially um, in light of the way things have been going with reality TV and such. <laughs> well, I think I think we can all agree that uh, the news media and uh, certainly this uh, quote unquote reality uh, TV stuff that uh, has come back uh, <laughs> come to haunt us is uh, so much so much of it is manufactured for effect. So uh, it's I guess it's kind of 
it's it's sad that we start believing uh, what we're being fed, and it's great to hear that in real life it's more the way we want the the world to be. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and it's it's nice that that uh, that the online personas, if you will, uh, kind of fall away um, when when the going gets tough. That was that was one of the things that was very nice to see. I, I don't watch TV, so I don't see too much of the reality stuff. I'm one of those weirdos. I would rather go out and find a trail or a fishing hole, you know, or or ride bikes at the park kind of guy. Um, just just out of preference, uh, in my opinion, TV went downhill when Family Ties went off the air. Um. <laughs> it was pretty good, uh, pretty good show. There was I don't watch much TV, TV myself, uh, and anything I am going to watch, I uh, I record. So um, I don't uh, – when I have time to watch TV, I, I watch it. I spend a lot of time uh, on uh, the various websites uh, and social media. Uh, so I, f- I find the majority of my, enter- uh, my entertainment online. And uh, now that I've recently, I think, resolved my uh, running hot on the highway issue with my 98, I'm hoping to get back out on the trails and uh, get a little more time and, and use my winch. That reminds me the the winch that you that you use to do all this recovery work. Um, have you made any um, requests to have that winch saved, or maybe do you have it? Because I think that would be a wonderful thing to to hold on to. I I haven't. Um, it didn't even cross my mind. In fact, uh, I, I it was kind of laid out as a joke um, at some point during all this. I saw somebody mention that the only thing they'd seen me ask for um, in all of this was a trash rear. Which is the uh, <laughs> yeah the, the yeah the nylon or the uh, canvas trash bag that hangs on your spare tire off the tailgate? Uh, <laughs> that was the only thing I asked for. It's because I you know I I hope to inspire other people to leave it cleaner than they find it, pack in more than you or pack out more than you pack in. Well, let me uh, ask you: Did you use that trasheroo during the the recovery? Did you no, try to clean I, up the I, neighborhood? That was the only thing I asked for when they said, <laughs> "What do you want us to do to your jeep?" I said, "Give me a trasheroo." <laughs> <laughs> it's a $40, $50 trash can that hangs on the back. And somebody was picking, they were like, you know, Camp Crocker's building his Jeep and the only thing he wants is a, is a trash can. Um, <laughs> but well, no, well I, I mean, you I certainly don't to keep the winch, which is, that's actually uh, one of those things I might, I might should do because it, it, it has definitely, uh, it definitely put put its work out. That's for sure. Well, I mean, don't let me stick anything in your head that doesn't need to be there. I, I was just thinking, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get the jeep back, and then the winch that you know did so much uh, or allowed you to to assist so many people and and just did more than what uh, it was advertised that it could do. It just uh, it just seems worthy of a uh, a nice place on the in the garage mantle, if you will, <laughs> and point to it. Look, that's the one that helps so many people out. That's the, that's, that's the piece of equipment that, that made a big difference in, in, uh, you know, embarrassing as it may be, uh, made help make me a hero. So. Oh, heck. I still, I still think I was just an Okie. Um, I just had a better tool. Like, well, like you had said early on in this, I, I still kind of think that I was just the average guy that just happened to have access to something a little better to use. Yeah, I mean, well, let's be honest about it. If our wives are talking about us, they know, and they know they know worse than what you're saying. <laughs> but to the to the world, and certainly those people that you helped, uh, you didn't have to be involved in that. You didn't have to come out of the shelter. You didn't have to leave your 
your two-year-old son in that shelter with uh, with people while you went out with debris still raining down from the sky. So I'm not trying to, to try to make you feel like you're a hero. I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I would be exactly the same way. But for our audience, at least, I, I'd like to point out that in my opinion, clearly the, the thing to do would have been to stay in that shelter until it was undisputedly safe or safe-ish to come out of it. And uh, especially with what you had gone through and what you had heard, I mean, the, the breaking of timbers and the crashing of uh, 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 thousands of pounds of metal to the ground, seriously, any sane person would have stayed there if at least long enough just to, to mentally grasp what had happened. Because that's not something you go through a lot, and and perhaps the only people that have gone through this are are soldiers that have been in war. So there's going to be a certain certain degree of let me make sure I understand what happened. And certainly from a safety self preservation standpoint, you you don't want to put yourself out. Normally, you don't want to put yourself out in something until you fully understand what's going on. So oh yeah, I could I agree. I just I you know the entire time we were in there. Um, I knew we were relatively safe. I, you know, I, I did park myself, uh, um, on the stairway, um, since I had, you know, my two and a half year old son who weighs 32 pounds. I had parked myself on the stairwell in case the door fell, hoping that, you know, maybe I would plug the hole. Um, but the entire time, um, we were in there. The only thing I could think about was the people that weren't us, people that weren't, below ground with us no i don't i understand they were riding at yeah stage. i understand exactly so, i would have felt the same way my own safety um there was almost a level of guilt if you will um now as far as me you know getting my son in there and that kind of thing you know n- not there but just i almost felt guilty that there were people that didn't have it as good as us when i could hear what was going on and what they were above ground living through i was hoping and Thankfully, in our own personal experience, everyone we found, very, very minor injuries, things that were fixable in an outpatient kind of manner, um, we, you know, so we only found survivors. And that does help with my kind of joyous kind of attitude and looking back at this, because everyone we found, even pets, um, with the exception of my parents' pet, um, Chewbacca, a little Yorkshire Terrier, uh, Every pet we found was fine. Every person we found was fine. It was it was absolutely amazing. That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. And uh, I uh, I'll, I'll put a little dig into the the news media uh, reporting over 50 deaths and then having to uh, pull that back. Um, uh, they were I, at 110 uh, within I think 12 16 hours, and then pulled it all the way back to eventually 24. I mean, 24 is, is way too many, I, I'll know. But broadcasting out that there's been so many deaths, it is, I think it ought to be criminal because they are, um, in my opinion, uh, just trying to sell the news and trying to make it sensational enough to make people, uh, make people watch. And yeah, I agree with that, especially when you've got – with communication grids, of course, wiped out when the power cell towers go down, there's no SMS messaging, no, no text. Um, when there's no communication in or out of an area, it, it does 
and you know to hear those kinds of things is horrible i i remember even it seems when i was an early teenager and i'm not that not that old not in my opinion uh yeah i know, I know. i'm not either that they wouldn't announce those kind of things till they were certain well that was back when the news was the news and it wasn't the entertainment uh 30 minute or hour or 20 yeah. or 24 hours with the the news channels i mean uh yeah i love fox news but you know if you sit there for five minutes they have five breaking news flashes going across the bottom of the screen uh you know it, it it's not they're really not that breaking important stories they're just trying to sensationalize it so that you know you'll keep watching and they can keep selling advertisement and they can make a living and i understand it's capitalism but uh i think it's irresponsible whenever they start uh and this is not directed at fox news just in general when the news media starts broadcasting out um pardon the expression hopeful numbers of people killed and oh, yeah, it's it's, totally it, it's just not right because uh i'm not involved in it uh, i wasn't involved in, in more oklahoma uh but i was watching it and i was uh concerned about the people there and to hear 55 or 75 or 100 people dead that's a lot for for a tornado situation and it's you know being in any situation yeah but i mean in other tornadoes that i've i've seen i've never seen death tolls that high i mean i think uh it was a a few years ago there was a an outbreak of of tornadoes and there was like 300 people killed but it's very unusual so you you're hopeful that whenever a community is is decimated by a storm like that that there's not that kind of loss of life and i was i was very happy to hear that there was uh, only 24 deaths although it's still devastating and and horrible i really feel feel really bad for those kids that were in that school uh that uh was was basically wiped off the map and the i think there was two kids that died at that school there were four at plaza towers um not to not to push the numbers thing but um, on the numbers thing, uh, my elementary school, Briarwood, uh, which is in my parents' neighborhood, in fact, it was the first structure that's part of that that neighborhood community that was hit. Um, it had 625 students in it. There was almost nothing left when it left. Not a single death, no critical injuries, you know, and they weren't putting that on the news, which was one of the things to me that was amazing was because it was one of the things we worked towards the school, you know, cause it was only, it's only a block and a half. And there were people out there with injuries, that sort of thing. And they were saying, you know, as they were gathering everyone up that, you know, we're finding everyone, things look okay, you know, considering. And, and it turned out that all the students at Briarwood elementary survived a direct hit of an F5 tornado and um, the, this, the faculty all survived. Um, you, so it's, you know, the, the survivor stories were the ones that I wanted to really make sure that people noticed uh, people finding pets. There was a brilliant one where the woman was talking about her lost dog on the fifth day and the dog scrambled itself up out of the pile that used to be her house. <laughs> yeah. We actually have that uh, YouTube video up on uh, the Tony and Josh show uh, website. I, I was oh, amazed was by that. Yes, it was wonderful. Uh, it was that, it was that hope that, uh, uh, that ability to, to have miracles happen that I think everybody likes to 125 sixth grade and younger. It's K through sixth grade um unbelievable to me and if the school hadn't held them 
if the principal, and I don't know the principal's name at the time, hadn't made that decision to hold them, they would have been walking down the street that the eye of the storm went down yeah. to fan out into the neighborhood. Uh, you know, he made an incredible call, a very brave, you know, I mean, really. Oh, yeah, because that's that's their responsibility. If they're in your school, they're your responsibility. Yeah, and the staff did fantastic. And then there was, you know, um, there was, of course, you know, blessings or miracles also involved, you know, in protecting those kids. Because, um, like, 625 is a lot to have in a, uh, you know, 40-plus-year-old uh, structure. So, Oh, it's just amazing. Now, uh, are you going to be at SEMA this year to, to be with Stomper? Uh, we, yes. Um I suppose um, I do know we're going to Vegas. <laughs> well, the reason uh, the reason why I ask is I'm I'm hopeful uh, the uh, the other admin on xjtalk.com uh, has uh, an invite, I guess, to uh, to be there, and uh, I'm planning on uh, going to SEMA this year, first time. Uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that I'll get to see Stomper and uh, maybe shake your hand. Oh, very cool! No, I, that would be a great pleasure. I. Uh, yeah, um, as far as I know, we'll get to get into the SEMA show. I know we're going for it. Um, oh, I bet you'll get in. Yeah. All you have to do is all you all, all you'll have to do is say, "I'm here to take my Jeep home." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll in on the last day. <laughs> no, here, no, you do it now. when you want to get in. You say, "Well, you know, if I get an entry into into SEMA, I'll be okay for a few days. That'll be all right." So, <laughs> oh, that's been a lifelong goal with me uh, ever since I took up uh, modifying. Uh, Modifying, repairing, improving, you know, vehicles. SEMA uh, has always been, you know, on the radar. So uh, I get to live out a childhood dream after living out a adulthood nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, uh, thankfully, uh, due to uh, XJ Talk and my uh, friendship with uh, with Matt, uh, I'm going to have the uh, the ability to go. I'm hoping it works out. Hoping I get to uh, get to go. The only thing I'm thinking about is work and vacation time. Uh, that I'll be able to, so that I'll be able to go, but, uh, certainly looking forward to it. And now, oh, uh, real quick, uh, cause we, uh, are, are woefully long on the interview. Um, we knew it would happen. Well, it's, 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 it's so interesting. I don't want to stop. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been a great, uh, a great interview. But anyway, uh, I had seen something and I just read a, a bit of it. It may have been in social media, something about, uh, Stomper or you, uh, being on or having something to do with the the power block show um yeah as far as i as as far as i know like i said uh just <laughs> just like how many winches uh stopper will have uh, I'm, I'm finding these things out just about as at the same pace that everyone else does um yeah, I guess uh, Powerblock TV, and I'm I'm a, I would assume under their extreme four by four show because I believe they have eight shows, um, is wanting us to come out to Nashville um, with Stomper with uh, my wife Brenda. Um, she'll be back in uh, forty days. Um, all things go well. She'll be home in forty days um, from Afghanistan. But they're wanting all of us to go immediately after SEMA to Nashville. So I'm going to get to drive an unproven to me modified Jeep halfway across country <laughs> to make a TV deadline, I believe, a day and a half after SEMA. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great adventure. So uh, Stomper has you know took our family on great adventures. I was chased by a bear once and dove into the Jeep to get away from him. 
Um, well, that's when it's great to have a soft top, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, except for when your two-year-old's in a car seat in the back seat, and you're running towards a Jeep, and uh, an angry, uh, territorially angry um, black bear is chasing you. Uh, uh, he just wanted a hug. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe he was telling me that was that was his breeding ground, and and uh, I needed to shave, obviously. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, you really need to understand. I'm not interested in your women. It's fine. You go ahead. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, that's great. It's a great story. Now, um, uh, so we're not so we don't go all night on this. Uh, I mean, great conversation, Brian. I really appreciate it, but. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this puppy up now. Uh, how do, how do people, uh, uh, find out more about what's going on with you and, you know, are you on Facebook, Twitter? I am. Uh, I have been accepting friend requests at an alarming rate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Brian Hutton on Facebook, uh, I don't mind giving that out. There's, and that's, there's no waiting uh, for me anymore. That's uh, Brian with a Y. Yeah, it is. Um, and there's also the rebuilding of Stomper. Um, and it is with the, at the beginning, the rebuilding of Stomper on Facebook. Um, Cop 4x4, which is Camp Crocker's uh, um, page. He's he's also a big part of this and has information and links to the other sites. Um, Custom Coachworks, which is the shop that's actually um, making this happen. Um, and JKL. JKL wrangler on facebook um and they have links to the requisite outside of facebook uh websites from there and i would hate to do all the dot com stuff because i'd probably mess that up um but there's plenty to see um beyond that and they are posting pictures and video updates and stuff and uh thus far it's been pretty interesting i've never seen a jk stripped to the frame and and uh uh space cage if you will that's underneath the skin on uh, JK, so that's already been rather interesting to watch. Yeah, imagine it's like watching a surgery. Oh, I didn't know that was in there. That's uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, it's watching a surgery on a loved one. It's it's it's, yeah. a lo- it's horrible and fascinating for me all at the same time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, what does your wife think about all this? Well, <laughs> she thinks it's fantastic. Um, she she's actually you know, and I I didn't give all the credit where credit is due. She also kind of, I believe, was part of the reason it got kicked off in the beginning on the social media. She wrote a letter to Jeep, um, not asking for anything, just telling them that, you know, what the Jeep had been through and that it was there for us to help others and that we really appreciated them building such a great vehicle that could be there for us when we needed it. And uh, and that story somehow, um, I'm, not, I'm still not sure how that happened, but could that email kind of ended up on facebook also um no she thinks it's she thinks it's amazing and uh and of course was so sold on them uh she loved going off-road with me and and she loves modding vehicles but she she decided that she must have um her own jk um <laughs> That's because great. of all this because it proved itself without a doubt to be a, a fantastically uh dependable i you know vehicle uh when things get tough Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the tools that you have that allow you to do the job that you need to do. Uh, right. uh you can be a great uh, individual, but without the proper tools, uh, you're, uh, I mean, you're still great. Uh, it just makes it, there's so much more you can do for people, uh, your family, yourself and, and people with the right tools. And certainly, mm-hmm. certainly you had the right tool and you were at the right place at the right time. Although 
I'm sure you would have rather have been uh, uh, anywhere else at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, hats but, off you to know, you. In hindsight, I was glad I was there. Um, no, I, like I said, everyone we found needed a handout um, to, to get out of what they, where they were. So, yeah, I am definitely glad I was there. Yeah, I just go back to the heat. My God, the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And was, you know, on the tools thing, on a closing note, um, I did buy a wireless winch controller. Oh, that makes sense. And installed it prior um, to going down there. And I never actually used it off-road. I always used the cable one. Um, but the wireless one was in my console, and the cable one had been tossed with my recovery bag and was, and Lord knows, maybe in Kansas. Um, mm, right. And I found the wireless controller, and I plugged it in because I, you know, I had it was actually screwed on to the uh, um, control box, um, and it survived. I can tell you what, guys, all you off roaders, in any kind of touchy recovery scenario. A wireless controller so you can get down where the winching action is actually happening is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I can imagine, especially in a situation like that where you're, uh, there's uh, debris that you may uh, not be able to see around or over. And, uh, and you never know if someone involved. was impaled. And so being being able to be there and see what you were moving from their perspective was, was great. And I can only imagine that that's as useful when recovering a vehicle and maybe in a in an iffy position, uh, off camber, rolled on its side, that kind of thing, to be able to see it up close and personal while you use the winch, gloriously good. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Uh, great detailed uh, story. Uh, life life changing event. Went long. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, that's what uh, I love being able to bring uh, interesting interviews. Uh, to our audience and uh, uh, you know you go into an interview you don't know uh, the individual you don't know their story you don't know their ability to tell the story so uh, it's 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 it, it is its own adventure uh, doing an interview and this certainly has been uh, one of our better ones and I just really want to uh, thank you and uh, again hats off to you for doing what you did because uh, I'll reiterate uh, you can disagree with me all you like um, especially when there's a, uh, a child, uh, involved the, I think that the, the norm would be for the person to stay there with the child and, uh, really just wrap their head around what was going on before they got involved in anything exterior to that. So, uh, hats off to you for, uh, being a Jeep hero. I appreciate that. I, uh, really do i I'm, I'm awkward with the ideal but i'll i'll take it and say i appreciate it <laughs> true heroes are always awkward with the idea of being considered a hero so yeah, that's exactly what you you should be so i do appreciate uh getting to come on and tell our story um i do want to take a minute to thank some of the people behind the scenes and uh some of the people that have helped uh this rebuild of my jeep uh uh, get going. Uh, first and foremost is going to be uh, Lance Kenyon um, out of uh, the Oklahoma City metro area. But he was the guy who uh, saw the story and kind of, if you will, lit the fuse that made it go viral. Um, Got to get the ball rolling with the people. And of course, Kent Crocker from Cop 4x4 and Eric Mullenberg um, from uh, uh, Custom Coachworks. Uh, for this stuff, and of course, all the vendors that have that have kicked in. But I think mostly um, the the people I want to mention and thank is all the fellow Jeepers and off road community that saw Stomper's story and the plight 
um, that uh, in more Oklahoma and that have taken their time and their money um, and their own backs, you know, and, and gone out and they've helped and they've, they've helped clear debris. They've brought in supplies. Um, I, I have seen other Jeeps come in and using their winches to help pull debris out to the curb so they could be cleared away. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. The off-road community has just been phenomenal. Uh, I couldn't be happier to be part of a better group. That's great. And, and very well said, Brian, thanks again for a great interview. All right. Thank you for having me. I, pre- I, I enjoyed it. This, this was rather interesting. <laughs>